Hey, it's Brandon here and I have some big news. Seven Figure Millennials is now beyond curious. I am so excited for this new brand and I would highly encourage you to go check out episode number 140 for all of the juicy details. But as a teaser for episode 140, the central question for Seven Figure Millennials, the original show from the beginning was, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? I spent over 1,000 hours researching this question and published 139 episodes. And after all of that, I have an answer. And I put together that answer in a legit masterclass that weaves together clips from previous guests all to answer that question. So if you wanna hear my answer, the why behind Beyond Curious and the vision moving forward, go check out episode number 140. But you are here listening to this episode, which I know is amazing, but I would just highly recommend you also check out episode number 140 for the full explanation behind the rebrand. All right, here's your episode. If you had to pick between A, making a ton of money, B, being happy, healthy, and surrounded with people you love, or C, making a meaningful impact on the world, which would you choose? The good news is that today we don't have to choose. So the question is, how can entrepreneurs like you and me, who have a vision for our lives and aren't willing to settle for anything less, how can we become financially successful and have a big impact while prioritizing our happiness, health, and relationships? You and I are on a mission to find out, and we have an incredible journey ahead of us. My name is Brandon Fong, and welcome to the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast. Hello, my friend, and welcome back to another episode of the 7 Figure Millennials Podcast, where it is my job to uncover the winning formulas that will help you to prioritize your happiness, health, and relationships while making your biggest entrepreneurial and financial goals a reality. And today, my podcast guest is Joshua B. Lee. And Joshua is one of the nicest guys I know, but he's also a badass. <laughs> and here's a little bit of a sample of what I mean. So on top of being a husband and father of two, Joshua has managed over $300 million in online ad spend. He's controlled over $35 trillion, yes, that's trillion with a T online impressions. He's built 16 companies and he's worked with incredible clients like Joe Polish, Dan Sullivan, John Maxwell, Gartner, Oracle, and ADT. So if you're anything like me, when I first read that bio, I was wondering how the heck is any of that even remotely possible? And we're going to be diving into that in the episode, but there's three things specifically I want you to look for. One, Joshua's key takeaways after making a $1.3 million bet and losing $10 million. Number two, why at one point Josh decided to liquidate the 10 companies he was running, start over by moving back with his parents with less than $1,000 in his bank account at age 36, and how he went from that state of deep depression because of that experience to doing some of the incredible things that he's doing today. And number three, how Joshua actually prevented someone from committing suicide by using LinkedIn and how today he's using LinkedIn to develop authentic and inspirational engagement with companies and brands. That and so much more is what we dive into in the, today's episode. So with all that said, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Joshua B. Lee. All right, Joshua, welcome to the show. Hey, man, Brandon, excited to be here, brother. It's uh, It's been a while since you and I connected, so I'm excited to kind of get invited on the show and uh, kind of share a little bit about my what I've went through to, be, to actually be on your show, right? Yeah, this is going to be super exciting. And people that are listening to this have already heard your incredible bio, and I've done a bunch of research, so there's lots of different ways that we can go but I figured we'd start with a really interesting point. So would you mind telling the story about the $1.3 million bet? <laughs> the $1.3 million bet. Well, let's see here. We go back to 2007, I think it was, um, <laughs> sitting in Vegas, uh, Playboy Club uh, at the Palms. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it was an interesting time back then, man. This is uh, prior to the, the fall of 2008, uh, where we all had a major hit. So money was riding high. And then prior to that, you know, I mean, I was running multiple different companies. Business was good. Um, and I was actually in the process of creating um, my own platform, a new platform, right? Investing a lot of money. And I knew I was about six to eight months out. But sitting here, Playboy Club, sitting with a quote unquote buddy of mine that I, I believed had my best interest at heart and um, kind of went in and we're sitting there and he's like, hey, man, you know, I just sold my company. I said, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. It was like, you know, $20, 30000000 million sale, something of that nature. And uh, he's like, 
um, I know you're working on your software, man. He's like, look, I got an opportunity for you. You know, we're sitting there playing our cards. We got our drinks in our hand, you know, we're doing the whole, Hey, you know, who's, who's the bigger guy here kind of situation already, you know, cause we're sitting at a poker table and um, he's like, how about I, you know, give you access to my, uh, my software, um, you know, that runs my platform, my source code. Um, and it'll, it'll shoot you far around. And I said, wow, that sounds amazing. Like, what do you, what are you thinking? You know, it was a $1.3 million. And, you know, I'd seen this guy do his business, um, go through and, I was like, yeah, whatever, man. That's, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. Let's shake hands. And I'm, I'm an old, you know, I'm born and raised in Texas, you know, so I'm a good old boy and <laughs> I go based off a handshake, uh, hindsight being 2020, which I actually now hate to use that word because we're in 2020 and people are like, Oh my God, that's the worst year ever. <laughs> For sure. But, um, it, it hit hard. Um, we went in, we did the deal found out uh, that the deal, most of the software was duct taped together, um, really done purely for their platform and their platform alone. Um, and in the long run over the next year, it cost me almost $10 million. Wow. Um, and that's where I learned that due diligence, due diligence, always do your research, no matter what you're going to lay your bet on. Um, and it almost cost us to go under because I mean, shortly thereafter, you know, this was 2007, 2008 hit and, not only did I just lose a considerable amount of money that was coming in the door, because that some of that 10 million was not just money on hand, it was money coming in the door. So we were actually, we lost clients because of it. Um, so that was future revenues um, included in some of that. So it, it took a big hit on us and it, we had to kind of restructure and figure out where we're going to move forward from there. That's incredible. And, and I know, I know the Joshua today. So I know that that's not the Joshua that made the $1.3 million bet. And so we'll dive into more of the incredible yeah. stuff that you're doing today with your work on LinkedIn. But can you just share with the people listening right now a little bit more about what your life was like? I mean, I know you were at that point or close to that point, you had managed over $300 million in online ad spend, 35 trillion impressions. You were one of the marketers on MySpace. So tell us a little bit more about what that life was like, what, what, that space you were in right there in that Let's time of your see, life. During, while I was in it, the life seemed amazing, right? I mean, going through, I, uh, as you said, I mean, one of my first um, business partnerships was with MySpace. I used to monetize all of their traffic and we were doing arbitrage, buying low, selling high. So, I mean, you know, we were, you know, you're talking about a couple of million dollars a month um, in revenue, um, not just a couple million dollars a year. Right. Um, so at a young age in your early twenties, um, it's, it's life changing, good and bad. It teaches you a lot of lessons. Uh, and I went through, and I mean, as I went through that life, I was running multiple companies, building different things, making different mistakes, but also having enough money to be able to go through those, you know, look outside looking in, we took planes everywhere. We'd go to Vegas once a month. We'd you know, have nice cars, you know, do whatever we wanted, travel, money wasn't an object. If I wanted something, I bought it kind of situation. And as I look back and life progressed up until that 2008, because actually 2008 was a pivotal point in my life as well, because um, I made the move from um, Orange County, um, California, uh, I was down in Newport Beach to back to Texas, because I've lived there for about three years. And um, my wife, uh, we were, it's, it's an interesting story too, because my wife at the time, because I now divorced and then remarried again. Um, as I said, I'm very open about everything. Uh, <laughs> she looked at me and we were headed to uh, a San Antonio Spurs game where I was going to be presented my own jersey during halftime during a, during a Spurs game um, based on my involvement with the, the development league here in Austin, Texas. I was one of the main sponsor for them. And because of it, uh, I was being an honorary member of the San Antonio Spurs, which doesn't really happen ever. So wow. that was a pretty awesome thing. And at that event, we right prior to it, I learned that I was, uh, my wife was pregnant. Um, we were going to have my first son. And as I looked in the mirror, as I go back in and I was going to this event, I realized uh, things had to change because during all this quote unquote success of what I was following, which was the money, I had allowed myself to get 35 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, I had never been heavy in my life. Um, my relationships were pretty much solely monetary. Even some of my best friends that were working for me were there and around a lot because I paid for everything. Mm. Um, I had no vision about where I was going. I just knew where I was at. And 
And, you know, I mean, there was a certain point where everything was either business or play, uh, trying to do this whole work-life balance, which is, as I wrote a book called, balance is bullshit, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, and I realized that, that I had to change, and that was kind of the start of my new path of where I wanted to go to be able to make this world a better place, not only for my children, that were going to be future at that time, but for everyone's kids and, and allow me to kind of start seeing major shifts in my life. Yeah. Well, it's incredible. I had just recently attended Tony Robbins's live virtual event. And one of the things that he talks about all the time is that success without fulfillment is really like the ultimate failure. And that, yeah. you know, so did you find that to be true? Like when you, when you were making all the money, you had the life that everybody thought you're supposed to have all the success. Can you just like maybe share a little bit about even though society viewed you as having all this, like how it felt inside to, to, to really be at that point in your life. It was hollow at that point. I mean, I kept on going, trying to be able to buy it. I, I look back now, Brandon, man. And I was like, wow, I was a good guy. You know, I was paying for everything. I was doing things for other people. You know, I don't know why it was so hard. I wasn't doing it for other people. Hmm. I was doing it for myself. It made me feel good that I could take care of them. And I could do these things. Yeah, I was freely in what I do. I knew what I earned and I knew what I needed to be able to, to continue my life. And I knew what I had extra and I, I gave that away. But I didn't do it. At, I, I thought and I felt like it was the guy that good in my heart. But I kind of look back now and I realized that it, a lot of it was, it gave me superiority over people. Mm. And why do you need that? That's, I mean, we, we were taught in the society as, as men growing up in the United States that you need to be able to have this, this one up. You always need to have, you know, a card up your sleeve, you know, on someone else to be just in case. Always be something else. Always never allow them to see your weakness, right? You know, these are the things that you kind of grow up and be able to do. And that's exhausting. And I mean, I got exhausted and that's where I started having that shift. Like I said, I mean, it was shortly thereafter my son, because I mean, there were certain points, which, and ultimately when I started shifting my life, trying to be able to do more and do not only for myself, but for my family and for others, that also my, my, my former wife and I, we started seeing this shift. This gap started growing between us because there was a certain point where she was like, why don't you just do what you do well, make money? Mm -hmm. Why are you trying to help everyone? And I knew that the gap had grown to, I mean, at that point, Brandon, I mean, people would look at me, oh, Josh is successful. But when I had my son, brother, I, I had my, I moved my office home because I wanted to always be there, be that dad that, you know, if I couldn't say it in front of my son, I shouldn't say it at all. And I had my do office doors open all the time. And at a certain point, like you said, with the success, no matter, no one knew it. I mean, when I, when I went through this whole thing, people were just amazed. My friends were like, whoa, you're always so happy. What's going on? Mm. How could you be going through this? And I would go into my office and at a certain point, my doors closed and my, my home office became not only my sanctuary to be able to shield me from my coffin where I would just stare at a wall for eight hours and my business would keep on going. That's no way to be able to build a business. It was just money. Yeah. That's incredible. And one of the things that you said that I think I want to highlight is I think Dan Sullivan has a concept about transformational versus transactional relationships. And so it sounds like from your perception that like the people in your life didn't seem like they were from your perception, it didn't seem like they were as genuine relationships because they viewed your success as like the main reason that, that they were hanging out with you. Right. So how do you view that as being different in your life today and the relationships that you have now? It's hugely different. I mean, like, look, I even had family issues. Like with my, my, my ex's past family, like, we weren't able to talk about my company or my business or things like that. Right. Like what? I mean, it wasn't like, cause they didn't like that, that they, you know, they, they thought that we were trying to be above other people. And it, it was, I never saw it or felt like that. I mean, that was a huge difference where you were, when you're in rooms and as entrepreneurs, we get this all the time, right? We have our friends that understand our entrepreneur because they're in our, in our circle, in our world. And then we have our friends that are not in that entrepreneurial world or in this kind of area. And you start seeing these gaps grow because you learn what you can and cannot talk about. They're like, oh, I don't want to hear about your company anymore, what you do. I mean, it's, you know, you can't talk about that. And so you, you curb how you actually speak around certain people. And then there's the others, like the people that I surround myself with now, man, it's just, business doesn't even come up because it's not needed. 
You know, we don't, I mean, if we do talk about businesses, it's for, for specific facts. It's not about money. Everyone gives, you know, if they, I just had friends over the other night, we have, we host, we have them over and it, like, it was crazy to be able to have six people over, right? For the first time in a long, sure. yeah, you know, to be able to go in. And, but I, you know, I know when I go to their home at the same time, they'll do the same. It's not going, oh, who, are they going to bring something? Are they going to take in? Are, you know, are they expecting me to take care of everything? You don't go through these kind of, these different mindsets. And, you know, I had that shift, like when I went through my divorce, um, they, I looked at it, they, they were in, as you see, it's, I get caught up even in talking about it. Cause this is one of those pieces my lawyers are like, look, you were my, I was running 10 companies at the time. They're like, look, this could, this could take a long time. And I said, how long? Like a couple of years, you know, they think there's money getting hidden, hidden everywhere. And I said, okay, well, I have kids. I had two, you know, I have, I have, my son now is 11. My, my daughter's eight, but they were much younger then. I said, look, close it all up, get rid of it, liquidate everything, you know, give it to the ex because, you know, I, I, I can always make more money. I can't make more time. It's the wow. one resource we don't get back. Yeah. So I'm at 36. I walked away with a little bit under a thousand dollars to my name and moved back in with my parents. And, you know, I had that full reset on my life. And I said, what do I want to do? How do I want to be able to, and you know, I, I explored the life coach thing. I mean, they said, I wrote the book and I was doing a lot <laughs> of talks about that one. Cause I wanted people to be able to understand the things that I didn't share, right? Like they, I, I never shared about the time in Vegas we just talked about. I never shared that the best man for my first wedding stole almost a million dollars from me. Wow. You know, I didn't talk about these different things of these mistakes because that's what we were never, if someone knows you make mistakes then they know you're fallible and they're never going to hire you. Right. <laughs> Bullshit. You know, sorry. Uh, you know, it's, so, you know, they, you're human. We're all human. And so that's where I had my shift and it's been amazing because now the people I surround myself with they're genuine individuals. I know that before in the past, if I'm an only child. So for me, when I grew up, my brothers and sisters were my best friends. And if they called at any point in time of the night, I would pick up the phone. If it was across the country, across the, the state, whatever it is, across the world, I would get up and do whatever I needed to do to be able to help them out. That's the way I live my life. If you, if you became that close to me, you became a brother or sister, and that's where it was. Hmm. I never felt like I had that in return. I was always the person people called to be able to help, but I never knew, I never thought I had anyone that I could actually call as well, other than my parents. Yeah. And that shift changed. Now I have people I know that if I pick up a phone, if I pick up my phone right now and I said, I need you right now, and one of my friends is across the country, across the world, and another, whatever it might be, if they say, Do you need me to get on a plane now? And I say, Yes, they will. Yeah. Even in COVID, I mean, it, it's amazing to be able to, like, to be able to give that. I mean, same thing with clients. I mean, I get to be able to work with people that I used to read their books on. Yeah. So How I want to unpack this because we, we, we saw the, you know, a preview of like the, the high roller life. Right. And then, and then, you know, we talked a little bit about hitting, uh, being 36 years old and moving in with your parents. So I want, let's, let's, let's figure out what happened in between here. So can you just tell me a little bit more about what you were feeling as a 36 year old, having had all the success, being used to having the cars, going to Vegas, all this stuff. And then you're at your parents' yeah. place with a thousand dollars. So like along like, with that too, that my lease on my, you know, my $80,000 car had just uh, ran out too. So then I didn't have a car and my, I had a, my dad bought a new car for me to be able to use for a little while. You know, it's, these are, these are ego hits. Yeah. You know? So what was, what was running through your mind at that point? Cause I know there are some people listening that, that, you know, the pandemic hit or whatever, but like this happens in everybody's lives and you think that you're alone when this happens to you and that you're, yeah. you know, just somebody that has to tough through this without any help. But so, so what was going on in your head and, and how did you kind of pick yourself up from that point? So there, there was different pieces, right? So, you know, I went through and at first I was like, okay, I'm, I'm great. This is so relieving. This is freeing. This is what I wanted. I, I didn't want those companies. This gave me a reason to get rid of the companies because if I had just closed on companies that were making six, seven, eight figures, people were like, oh, he's crazy. But no, the, the divorce gave me a, a, an out, right? You know, and I was able to use that. And at first I was hanging out with my buddies. I was going out almost every night to the bars and this, because I, I didn't have to think about it. As long as I was going out and having fun, what I thought was fun, it never mattered. But in the inside, man, I was going through a depression. And I mean, I'd go in and when I wasn't around those people, I was just in a room and by myself. And I mean, I remember times too, when I moved out from my parents, because I was only there for a little bit and rented a house, 
because look, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I know I can sell some services. I'm like, okay, I need to make two or $3,000. All right, cool. I'm just going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm going to make just that just to get by, right? I know. It's, I knew how to be able to do that. I've always known how to be able to make money, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a career. It wasn't, you know, building something. And I would do these things. And I mean, I even remember times too, like you put yourself even a further hole. Like I was that, I was a dad where I, my entire life was be the best dad possible. My kids would come over and I was so, and in such a depressive state, the kids would come over and I would just be laying on the couch half the day. Mm. And I mean, it was, it was rough. And honestly, you know, my friends were always there, but they're not going to be, and I tell everyone now, they're not going to pull me up without me, without me asking to be helped. You know, you have to be able to ask for help to be able to receive help. Yeah. No matter if someone gives it to you, you're still not going to receive it. And I wasn't in that position. And I had met a girl who I'm married to now. Um, and she kind of went in and at first it was like, great. You know, I, I mean, she would see me, I would go see her. She lived in Seattle. She was here in Austin at first and she moved first. I was like, it's great, man. I'm going to have, I had the relationship and I have my freedom here too. Right. You know, so I, I have, I, not that I ever, my friends are like, why are you doing a long distance relationship? That's crazy. But it fulfilled some of those different holes that I had within myself. And in the long run, she pushed me to be able to keep on getting up. She would call me afterwards. And then finally, what the real breakthrough for me was, I still had it saved in my phone. I sent a text message to five of my closest friends that I knew were there, those people that are here now. And I said, I, I don't know what to do, I'm lost. I, I am, I'm in a depression. I, I, I'm, I'm pretending to be something because, you know, the biggest thing that, that crushes most people is other people's, your perception of other people's perception of you. Mm, for sure. You know, you have no clue what the perception is, but we're perceiving it to be. And that's usually what, that's insanity. And it really crushes most entrepreneurs and most people because you're so worried of what someone else is going to think of you. They haven't told you this. And I, I told them what was going on. Like, we know. We're here for you, man. And I got calls and they went through and that right there by just releasing and telling someone, Hey, I'm not doing as well as I'm making it out to be on social media. I'm not the, still the same guy that I was pretending to be still. And man, next day life changed by just releasing that. The next day I went on social media and I made a video. I was, I went out for a run and I threw it and said, Hey, I just want to tell the world, and I told them everything that I went through, what I, what happened, what, what I'm doing now. And then I was restarting and it was amazing how just life just opened up because mm. I wasn't holding this boulder on my back anymore. That was just weighing me down day in and day out. And I was getting more exhausted as the time went on. That's so cool. If you don't mind me asking, what was the specific text that you sent to your friends? Like what was the question or what was it that you asked? It wasn't even a question or ask. I just said, Hey, I, um, I don't know what to do. I need help. Um, I, business hasn't been going. I, I make men ends meet, but that's it. Um, I, I'm I'm lost. I'm exhausted. Um, I just need someone to know know what's going on. And I had that's, to tell y'all because y'all are the only people that I truly that I, I believe actually care. Yeah, that's powerful. And it was immediate. My best man at my next wedding, you know, who, you know, yeah, we weren't married yet, but he was going to be my best man. I reach out, call me. Um, you know, people came out. I mean, it was amazing to be able just to hear people like, dude, we know we've been waiting for you. Mm. You, you, we all think that we can fool everybody, right? <laughs> the people that really know us really know what's going on, and then they'll allow it to a certain extent, but then they just start separating themselves out from you. Until you realize where you are. And just by releasing and telling them what, where I was and where I was at, open up the space for me to be able to grow again and, and find opportunity. Have you read the book, The Surrender Experiment or heard of it by Michael Singer? I've heard of it. I haven't read it. Okay. I'm just curious because like the, the whole idea behind the book is that like he was this guy that that was literally just kind of living like a monk life. He was literally just meditating and not eating like a salad every other day. And he ended up running this multi, multi-million dollar company, not because he tried to, but rather because opportunities just showed up and he kept just going with the flow and allowing things to happen. And I feel like 
and correct me if I'm wrong, part of what that, that text was to those friends was just ad admitting what your current circumstance was and then allowing, once you were able to do that, you were allow, you were able to allow opportunities to just kind of come to you. So is that kind of what happened or at least your perception of what happened? It is. I mean, and that's truly how it felt. And I started exploring and I started realizing that how freeing it was to be me a hundred percent of the time. I mean, yeah. that's what I told my wife when we first met, you know, she was in Austin and she's like, I'm leaving to go to Seattle to go work for Microsoft. And you know, I said, look, how about we try this? You know, I want to be a hundred percent me a hundred percent of the time. you be a hundred percent you a hundred percent of the time. And because it's easy just to be able to walk away and be able to, you know, we're in different cities, states, you know, I mean, it's, you know, we just turn the chair around and, you know, we start over again. And, because that's a relationship and that's kind of how it was with my friends. I mean, we started having different groups where we're like, look, we're going to have a one night a week where we just, it's called, you know, we're going to call each other out on our bullshit. <laughs> that's powerful. And you just got to sit there and you want to be able to take, you can get mad, you can get upset, something like that, but we're just going to say what we see. And that was crazy too, to be able to one, have someone in your life and your partner that you, you're going to spend the rest of your life with and them to really know you. If you can be you hundred percent with them, you can be hundred percent with anyone. That's I mean, powerful. that was the whole piece. And that's where like, there's certain different practices I put in play that allow me to be that. And, you know, same thing with my friends. If the people that I hold with the most regard and I can be a hundred percent with them, man, yeah, of course it allows me to be able to be better with the world and allow me to be able to go to, to attract the right people at the same time. I can go in and say, look, I only work with X. If that's not you, because before, man, I, I was trying to make money again. You know, that's what I first rolled into. How can I, well, I'll do anything for anyone. Okay, you want me to coach you over here? Okay, you want me to teach you your advertising over here? You want me to do this? And it was just random. And it was exhausting. And it, I didn't like it the first time I did it, even though I knew I did it really well and I made a lot of money doing that in the past. Why would I do that again? Hmm. So, so I knew I had to be different. When you said, I think you said the word exercises, certain exercises, or I would, I would kind of add that like parameters. What, what, if somebody is in kind of this transitionary phase or they're looking at going away from those one-off kind of gigs and stuff like that, what are some of the exercises or things that you found helpful that have allowed you to have more clarity and be more specific about the kind of people you want to work with or the work that you want to do? Well, for, it all starts with you, right? I mean, if you don't have enough power to give you to yourself, you don't have enough power to get, you know, to be able to help other people. So, I mean, you know, you can talk with anyone. Morning routines are extremely, really important. One of the biggest things where most people give their power away is the first thing when they wake up in the morning. Mm. If, if I ask you, what does every person, almost every person in this world do when, the first thing when they wake up? Check their phone. Check your phone. What you're doing is you're giving priority to the rest of the world. You're pr giving them priority in your life, the rest of the world, and that's not yourself. You're yep. giving it away. No one else in this world makes you, you, other than you. They don't actually, they don't do anything. So that's one of the first thing I did, like, you know, start, like I didn't look at my phone for the first hour, then the first two hours of the day, you know, I don't look at computers. Like, look, the world doesn't stop turning because I went to sleep. Right. If someone really needs to get a hold of me, they'll call me and it'll actually come in, but I'm not going to go and check emails or tech checks or go look at social media. Right. Those are some of those pieces. And then being able to take that time in to be able to, to work out, to meditate, to journal and spend time with my family. Those are some of the first things I want to be able to do in the morning. Yeah, that's powerful. The morning routine has been huge for me. And I've, I've made a conscious decision a long time ago to never check my phone in the mornings and also just destroy so many people. I feel like spend the first hour of their day as like just a, a random calling to random different things. Like I, I never snooze. I stopped snoozing a while ago. So like yeah. I made that decision. I take cold showers in the morning and it's just like, there, there's this diagram inside of the book, um, tiny habits by James clear. Okay. And it's like a decision tree. And in my mind, it's like the, the first decision that you make in the morning, it's like, it kind of sets the says tone for the rest of the day. It's like, did you yeah. decide to snooze? Then you took a, a bad decision. Did you decide to check your phone with another bad decision? And then before you know it, like you can't even, even if you made good decisions from that point up forward, you can only get to 50% of what would have happened if you had made the decision at the beginning to start with intention to not check your phone in the morning and to do the things that are important to you first. So I think that's incredibly powerful. Yeah. And I mean, and then you use your phone. I'll, I'll tell you a, a, a cool trick. So we all use our phones. You probably make to-do lists, right? Yes. All right. So once you write down whatever you've got to do for the day, what's the value of that piece of paper? Uh, 
much more valuable than it was previously <laughs> with nothing on Still it. a piece of paper. Sure. I mean, to me, I like to make sure that I'm doing things in the most effective order possible. So when I write it down on the piece of paper, it becomes more valuable to me because I'm able to kind of organize and plan more effectively, but right. open see, to listen to suggestions. <laughs> and see, that's the whole thing, right though? I mean, if you, if you take that, that takes a lot of time, energy, and, and it takes, you know, really training to be able to do that because most people go, eh, it's just a piece of paper. I'll get to it tomorrow. So, but the one person that we hold more accountable than anyone else is ourselves. And I mean, using more of our five senses to be able to do that helps us be able to actually integrate within our own self as, at the same point. So like when I take out my phone, one of the first things I do is I think about the five things I want to be able to do. When we start off with this, this exercise as the, with the most easiest things, right? I'm going to pick up my phone and say, hey, Josh, um, today, and I'm going to hit record a video of me. And I'm going to put my hand over it right here. So I don't even see myself, right? We're just looking right here in the camera. Hey, Josh, today you're going to say five things. I don't care if it's going to use the restroom. I'm going to wait. I'm going to walk the dog. I'm going to have breakfast, right? It's five things you know you can accomplish without any shadow of a doubt. This is what you start off with. Hmm. At the end of the video, you go, hey, Josh, congratulations on achieving all your goals today. So what you're doing is, one, you're training yourself to be able to talk on video. Two, you're giving yourself accomplishments. And what I do is before I go to bed, I watch that video again. Hmm. And it allows me to go to bed feeling no matter what happened between when I woke up and when I went to bed, when I watched that video, it gives me a sense of accomplishment. It allows me to go to bed feeling accomplished every single night, allowing me to wake up again, refresh to be able to start the next day. And then you continue to be able to go in because if you can say something to yourself and know you accomplish it every single day, again, that same kind of scenario where I said of being 100% yourself with 100% of the people, it, it's that same tonality. If you can tell yourself that's something you're going to do and you do it every single day, you can tell anyone anything and know that you're going to be able to accomplish it. So there, you do five things. Do you have a specific number that you always do of things? I just do five things, right? It's it's not like everything I've got to do throughout the day, but you you slowly increase that. Today, I'm going to, you know, rewrite my email, my email process. Today, I'm going to do X, right? You're dropping things in, but as you continue to progress up, as you continue to make those videos every single day, one, you're getting better on camera. We all need to be on video, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're scared to be able to be on video on camera. So if you can actually do it for yourself each and every day, all you're doing is adding this additional practice. Two, you're giving yourself a sense of accomplishment. Three, we hold ourselves more accountable. So if we're actually going to do that, we hear ourselves say it to ourselves. We see ourselves say it to ourselves. We're more likely to accomplish that goal than let our own selves down. Yeah. I like that too, because there's very little resistance. Like whenever I'm looking at creating a new habit, it's like, how can I reduce the amount of resistance that stands between me and actually doing the thing? And, you know, for most, if you have an iPhone, you don't even have to like, I mean, depends on if you have an X or whatever, but if you just like swipe over, like you're, you don't even have to open anything like, and it's, it's there (laughs) and you could just like click record and you're already, you're you're future pacing yourself. It's one of those things that allowed me to, to be able to do that, right? And I mean, that actually then pushed me to the next level, which was where do I want to be? What do I want to do? And the biggest thing that I wanted to be able to do and in cha- change in this world was, you know, not only myself, but other marketers because and other entrepreneurs and how they actually market. Because I didn't want my kids to be able to see or even, you know, you as a millennial, you know, seeing how this, how we were doing, moving to this massive automation and spamming and everything else and just hoping for that one sale of a thousand people that you spam rather than just pissing off 999 people to get that sale, I knew there was a better way. And so that's where I started using some of my tech, my information around traffic. And also this thing that I've cultivated my entire life, being an only child. When you're an only child, you have to be able to understand how to read people, how to connect with people because you don't have those instant connections as a brother or sister. Sure. Just they're, they're guaranteed to be able to, you know, have to like you, you know, to a certain sense. So I, I took them, I said, what's human nature? And so that's where I started putting together things in my life along with my skills that I understood and found a commonality between the two. And then I found an under, you know, me, I found an underserved platform, which was LinkedIn. Yeah, that's incredible. So that's kind of, that's, that was the evolution of how I, be, I, I started doing what I was doing. When you actually speak to someone and you, they can tell that you're just honest and not trying to sell anyone. It's amazing how that actually changes the entire conversation. Yeah. 
So this is cool because now we can we can dive into like the LinkedIn side of things. And so now we know where you're, where you're at. But I actually, I have an interesting question to start off the LinkedIn Please. side of things. And in the TFL call that we had, I'm pretty sure that was where I heard it. Yeah. You Tried had mentioned, years. and, and I, I don't know how under NDA you have to be with the clients that you work with and stuff like that. So I'll leave it out and you can add it if you want. But yeah. I heard a story where you prevented somebody from committing suicide using LinkedIn. And so I'd be really curious to hear you share that story with everybody because I think it's very powerful and also indicative of how well you handle yourself on the platform. Yeah, yeah. And then that's the biggest thing, Brandon, man. It's it's how you do it, right? You know, everyone's so used to LinkedIn as a platform. They look at it as a re- platform to put your resume or a platform where people just pitch you all the time. Um, it's a B2B platform. And, but, you know, if you, as soon as you connect with someone, they're probably going to pitch you. And I, I knew there was a better way to be able to do it. And, um, you know, I kind of went about it. I said, look, you know, how do I want to be able to be treated as a human being? And why can't I actually transfer that to the online world? At, ergo, why I say, you know, I, I teach marketers how to be human online again. And, and that's where that kind of story came through because I was working with, um, oh, it was Dan Sullivan um, as one of my clients. And, we, we go through and we start off with different pieces, right? There's, there's different gaps. We're actually, to create a stop gap in, in someone's patterns is where they actually stop to be able to listen. We understand this as entrepreneurs. How do we actually create these stop gaps? Um, because patterns are created within our lives, online and offline. And online, it's, you know, like, comment, share, post, like, comment, share, post. That's what we keep on doing, right? And, well, my mom always taught me to be able to appreciate others for the little things in life. Um, and that's kind of where this kind of started off is, you know, we go in, if someone looks at a profile, if someone looks at um, a post, I mean, it's rare that when you like someone's post brand, if you go and re- like my post, right, you're actually going to get a message back from me. And I'm going to go, Hey, Brandon, man, I saw you like my recent post. I just want to take two seconds out and say, thank you. Um, too often we don't appreciate these things. Love to be able to connect with you and, and find out what pushed you to engage on my post. Wow. Right. I'm thanking you. Like, and especially when you get this from someone that you hold with high regard, or, I mean, I, you, especially that side, but any, with anyone, when you get someone, it's rare that someone actually thanks you for something that you've been conditioned to do without getting anything in return. Yeah. I mean, I just watched last night and it's just indicative of what we're talking about now, the social dilemma. You know? <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. So it's funny. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet, but I've watched it. I, I, I had too many conversations with people like, oh, you saw it, right? I'm like, I haven't. So my wife and I sat down last night and we watched it. I mean, it's that same piece, right? I mean, we're conditioned in these apps so slightly are conditioning. These companies are conditioning us to be able to do this. And so how do we actually pull someone out of that conditioning? And by stopping to appreciate something that they've been conditioned to do is what is amazing. So thanking someone for looking at your profile and asking why they checked you out, right? These are ways to be able to start conversation because most people forget to have, we've, as entrepreneurs and as marketers, we've taught to be able to talk at people, not with people. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we wanted to be able to do. And in this situation here, and that's the first start of what we do there, we reached out and, you know, and this message back is, is one that I, you know, you and I, I, we talked about and it was, it's crazy because it, it, it never leaves me because the person responded back, which was, wow, um, dang, you'll, you'll never know what this means to me. Um, I, I took what I was doing as insignificant most of my life. Um, and you, by you appreciating me for liking something that I took so on, inconsequential gave me new hope. Um, today I had planned on being my last day. Um, but now I have new, new hope for this world um, and new appreciation for the little things in life. Thank you for, thank you for all that you've done. And you'll never so know incredible. how much you impacted. And it's like, and you're reading this and you're like, wait, I got I to read that again. Yeah. It's, it's a, I was listening to a TED radio hour a while ago and they were talking about how COVID has separated us. And one of the most important things when it comes to human relationships, yes, primary relationships are very important, but also those like, I forgot what they call them specifically, but it's like the relationships that are kind of on the periphery, you know, the person that you see as the barista at Starbucks or the person that you say hi to in the gym, like those small interactions are so important. And I, I like, I love what you're doing when it comes to like, just like you said, teaching people to be human online. Can you tell people a little bit? I, I love your, the, the thing you say in the very, very beginning of your LinkedIn profile where it's like, uh, oh. not B2B, not B2C, but yeah. can you just explain there, a little bit more is. about that? I, mean, I don't, 
And that, that's the whole piece, right? And to be able to finish that off, I mean, what we were talking about before I get into that, I mean, like you were telling me you're going to, you, you went to the Tony Robbins event, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, think how impactful. Now, look, we all know we've been in this business long enough that nine times out of a 10, nine, 9.9 times out of 10, it's probably not that influencer. But if you got a message from Tony, you know, on LinkedIn, like, hey, Brandon, man, I saw that you recently attended the, the online event, man, just wanted to take, take time, two seconds out and say thank you for, for attending. Um, you know, really appreciate, you know, we don't get to connect with everyone there, but I wanted to actually make sure I see a person. So, I mean, even if you know, not everyone does like you and I are in this world. So we kind of get it a little sure. bit more, but I mean, that's more, it's more than like, cause look, it's not the days where we get emails anymore. We're like half the time. I mean, it was like, Oh, I got a new email. Now it's like, how many emails do I have? <laughs> right. So, so that's the difference, right? It feels more personal to be able to kind of have that. So that's what I was kind of, you know, with that there and that's that whole piece, right? I mean, we're going into, you were talking about my, my whole being of what I do, because I don't believe there's a B2B or B2C, right? Business to business or business to consumer. This was, this was something that was designed and created by marketers like you and I years ago, just to diversify ad spend, right? Get more money. Every business is run by another human being. We've just forgotten that as marketers. So there's only H to H, human to human. And that's kind of what we do. You know, don't speak to the company, speak to the person, speak to the individual, find commonalities between them and open up conversations because conversations lead to connection. Connection can lead to opportunity. Yeah. You don't have to go for the sale right off the get. I mean, what we do with our clients is we help them build advocates first and allow the byproduct to become clients. And it's much more powerful with what you're doing. You're going to be able to create. And that's why I always make sure the people that I work with, they're not hiring me. If someone says, hey, Josh, I want to help you. I want you to help me monetize my new product. I'm not your guy. There's a thousand people behind me that are willing to take their money. And that's exactly what they're going to do. Because I used to be that person. Yeah. All that $300 million, I'm not sure how much I actually help. You know? Right. But if you are offering a product or store that adds value to this world, and you want to be able, if you want help being able to do that, I will be there to be able to help you. Our service that we do with them helps those people. Because not only are we going to help the people that can't, we can help directly, we're also going to give value no matter what, who they are, right? Even if they say, we go through our, our process and they're like, oh, they're not ideal client, you still give value. Hey, this, that's amazing. And you allow people to leave feeling respected throughout the process. And the process that we take people through is the same steps that my mom taught me how to treat other human beings. It's not rocket science, but we're doing it in a way that actually makes people feel good and creates massive opportunity. So tell me a little bit more about that process and, and, and how you like took the lessons that you learned from your mom. So we already talked a little bit about the messaging, right? Like showing that you're genuinely interested in people and appreciating people for things that they may think is inconsequential. So that's one component of it. What are the other main pillars that, that when you're teaching let's, let's how we let's, let's start how we start off right we start sure. I, no matter what i always start with appreciation i don't think there was enough appreciation in this world for the little things i mean there's a hell of a lot more now for, during covid because we've lost a lot of those little things yeah. and I was like, oh my i missed that wow i didn't realize how much i appreciate it but it's still that level so appreciating someone that comments on your you know it's we do content you know we do internet marketing engagement engagement marketing right so we're engaging with people that engage with us you know, I hate cold calls and I hate cold, you know, cold pitches. You know, I don't like that kind of, don't, don't send me a cold email and that kind of stuff. So it's not going to work. It doesn't work with 99% of the decision makers out there. You know, the 1% that actually get that are the ones that, I mean, look, they're going to be in your program and then leave fairly quickly too. Hmm. So what you want to be able to do is, look, I appreciate people that view my profile. We appreciate people that engage in our content. At the same time, everyone posts online for one reason or and one reason above all else. I don't care who you are, what you do. You can say to get clients, to build advocacy, to create change, whatever it is. But first and foremost, most viscerally, we all post online to get that hit of dopamine we get every time we get a like or comment. Mm-hmm. When we get engagement, we get, we get excited. We go back and look. I mean, this is what the social dilemma is all about. It's about creating that dopamine. And I, it's funny that I I've been saying for a while we're dopamine dealers when we do this. <laughs> and it's funny. They talk about it on, on, on the social uh, dilemma where they're like, oh, yeah, we, we train people to be able to get, look for that hit of dopamine every time. That's what they keep going back to look at their posts, looking back to their posts. So 
we, find, we identify our ideal avatar for our clients, we listen, right? We give them what they're looking for. We first and foremost, we identify them. Then we like or comment on their post. And then we reach out and say, hey, Brandon, man, I saw your recent post, man. Phenomenal. Really love the content you're sharing, whatever it might be, right? We want to be able to go in. Love to be able to connect with you. I see a lot of alignment with what, what you're sharing. And I'd love to be able to have that um, within my, my zone or my sphere, right? So it's that human connection, right? It's different than your usual connection going, hey, Brandon, I see you're wearing a black shirt. Me too. Let's connect. Right. That's what we get on LinkedIn a lot of times or, you know, it's the, the whole, hey, I, my team can help you with whatever you do, but I didn't actually look. So let's see what it is. Right. Change that whole perspective. That's, that's step one. Appreciate someone for something they've never been appreciated for. Step two, they connect, right? Step three, we're going through, and this is where most people pitch their what they can do and how they can help someone. This is where we don't do that, right? Mm -hmm. We go through, and my mom always taught, taught me to be able to give other people compliments freely. So we give a compliment on LinkedIn that's giving an endorsement. They make it really easy to be able to do. People go, well, how can you give an endorsement to someone you barely know? Man, I can go in and be like, dude, I love the humble and hustle sign behind you, right? That's a compliment. You and I have only met two different times, but I mean, I can still give you a compliment. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't take more than that. So we start with that compliment. So we're giving an endorsement. LinkedIn makes it super easy for us to kind of go back in and say, Brandon, man, no, no problem. Happy to be able to, uh, thanks for the endorsement. We respond back with a qualifying question. Ask someone about themselves, right? Don't make it about you, make it about them. Brandon, man, happy to do it. Hey, quick question for you while I have you. And you ask a qualifying question. Once they respond back to that, you can provide value that's not unsolicited. We all hate unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. so, so this you, way you're actually providing value based on how they answer those questions. You have seven, eight touch points before you ever provide them something that actually can be correlated and relate to them specifically. So after you have the engagement and you're, you're interacting with them, and you ask the qualifying question, do you then ask them for permission? Like, Hey, I have something that I think might help you. Would you be, would you be offended if I sent that over to you? Or see, I'm assuming Brandon, some I love that. It all depends. Cause a good friend of mine, Adam Lyons, he's like one of the, he used to be one of the top relationship or dating coaches out there. Right. And, uh, and he kind of put that into our plan. We use it with certain clients because certainly depending on what we're doing, you ask, you know, asking for permission before you give it at gets that next. Yes. That next opt-in. Right. So we do that with some clients, you know, Hey, I have got something for you. I think it'll be amazing. You mind if I send it to you? Some is just, wow, that's a, you know, so like one question we um, developed for like people like um, Dan and, and Joe Polish and things like that, which was, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or a business owner with an entrepreneurial mindset? Because that allows us to be able to see where they are within their career. And it's not actually a direct question. It asks them more about their mindset of how they perceive themselves. So that gives us more understanding of who they are and where they are in the company then going, Hey, are you making six figures or seven figures? Sure. You know, people, people don't want to answer that question. Right. So they can either say entrepreneur. I know they're early on in their career. They can say business owner with entrepreneur mindset. They probably have a team. They've been doing this for a while and they've actually progressed through their life. Cause you know, as we've all, and some of us have been doing this for a long time. I can't be an entrepreneur in my life. I'll burn out. That's 24 seven hustle. Right. So you've got to, yeah, at a certain point, you've got to kind of pull that back and understand. So I have the mindset for it, but actually be able to have the business around you to be able to create those opportunities. Or they can say, I work for somebody else. It gives us three different responses. Based on those responses, we can say, wow, you know what? I think this, I've got like, we go, hey, I mean, this is an amazing uh, webinar that I think this is going to really add value to you, right? Or, hey, I'd love to be able to understand more on your thinking around being a business owner with an entrepreneurial mindset. Do you mind jumping on a call with me for like 15 minutes and telling me more on your thinking around that? You know, so there's different ways or you can go, they answer one way, like, Hey, I've got something for you. You might, if I send it to you and then you can give them, if they're not even your client as well, you can send them over a PDF and always give value. Never leave. If they say I work for somebody else and that's that opts you out from you, them being a direct client, still give them something, right? Right. We want to create that amazing experience and advocacy because most people just go up. Oh, Next. <laughs> yeah, right. definitely had that happen multiple times. Yeah. So we kind of go through that whole piece and, you know, like the, I love the phone call where you learn about someone else because it's like you and I getting on a phone call. If we got on a phone call first time. You're like, Hey Josh, tell me about yourself. And I sit there talking my natural response after actually going through and telling you all about, it, I'm like, well, Brandon, brother, I, dude, I just talked about 10 minutes about what I'm up to about me, man. Um, what are you up to? 
you've now been invited in. The wall, these barriers that we built over a lifetime to be not be sold has now been brought down voluntarily. And now you can actually have a real conversation with someone where they're actually listening. And if the value and the opportunity is there to go to work together, it will happen. If not, it was just a genuine conversation. Yeah. So my, I have two questions. The first is when, when you, I, I assume that some people, whenever they, because of how we've been conditioned on LinkedIn, that they're like, okay, we're going on a call and I know what's going to happen on these calls. So like, you know, part of copywriting and marketing is entering the conversation that's already happening in some side of somebody's brain. So is right. there a way that you overcome that? Or like, how do you approach asking for a phone call when LinkedIn is so diluted with people just not doing things the, the, the way that you're doing them? Well, when you actually break it down, I've already started with appreciation. I've already given them a compliment I've sure. asked about themselves. That's breaking them down right then. That sure. entire process, we've never talked about ourselves. Mm -hmm. I'm just finding out more about them. And guess what? Conditioning, right? We've all, we all love to talk about ourselves, right? That's why there's, you know, Quora and, you know, Wikipedia and everything else, because everyone wants to be an expert on everything. If they have the opportunity to be able to present how, why they're an expert or what they're doing, they, people jump at that, that, that opportunity all the time. Yeah. Social media that people love to be able to share their opinions. So that's the kind of positioning that we actually go through. If someone says, well, you know, I don't want to go into it. Yeah, that's fine. You know, I just, again, wanted to be able to make sure we, we build a relationship up, um, you know, and there's different ways. I mean, there's every client's different. There's always, I mean, I'm always a big proponent of always giving value first. And I mean, that's kind of where it was. It's like, hey, no problem at all. Well, you know, if you, if you have any, you know, thing, I always like to make sure I always start every relationship off with giving value, right? They say that. And that's why I wanted to jump on a call with you. Hey, here's a, here's a white paper. Here's a, you know, here's a webinar that I think is going to add amazing value to you. Have an amazing day, right? Being able to do that. You, I, if they don't want to, they have any reservations about getting on a phone call, they're not ready for the phone call anyway. Right. And you're just pushing something and put, taking your, it, you're giving away your time for no reason with someone that's already has is apprehensive about getting on a phone call. If you aren't able to break down those barriers, keep on moving forward. I mean, this is why when we do it for our clients, we, I'm one of the few people that have ever been able to take on some of the, the, like I said, the business coaches that I've been able to work with that have allowed them to us to be them online because we do it in such a respectful fashion that we're always trying to be able to make sure we represent them in a way that no one else can. Yeah. And we're going through and we're engaging with all those people. We're sending out over a hundred endorsements a day. We're reaching out and engaging on over a hundred people's posts a day because we're doing that whole thing. We're not worrying about being it. Cause I'm not selling widgets, man. It's I'm not selling $10 items. Or I got to sell a thousand people. Most of my clients have products or service that are three to $5,000 all the way up to $50,000 a month. Mm -hmm. So we want to make sure we're only connecting and we're only building. We're never pushing and going through because we're having so many multiple conversations at the same time. We're able to be able to do that and be able to create that value for our clients each and every time. That's incredible. And I was, um, in my TFL group, actually, I had the, I mean, I'm in a group with Dan Cashel and I had the okay. chance to go in through some of his stuff and, you know, he, he helped a lot with genius network from my understanding. Yeah. And one of the things that Dan taught that I thought was just so critical is that like, you could theoretically have the right client. You could theoretically have the right offer for them, but the timing may not be right. And the way that you're approaching this is you're starting the relationship so that they, they have, they got a lot of value for them. They know that you're connecting. And so if it wasn't the right fit at the right time, I'm sure that you probably do have people come back and they, they like, yeah. even if there wasn't a, so does that, does that happen very often? Well, that's the whole thing, right? We're building advocates. So if we, if we leave every conversation with giving value without ever asking for anything in return, they're going to go out. Not only are they going to tell those people about how much, you know, wow, it's amazing. I can't believe that this, you're, you're creating these super fans and these advocates. But at the same time, whenever they do become aware, they're going to go back to you because you treat them with that respect and they're going to mm -hmm. find you at the right point. I mean, it's, as you said, look, man, I spent a lot of my original career. I can manipulate. I mean, if I wanted to sell someone, I could sell someone. Right. Not hard. I mean, certain personalities, certain understandings, you can be able to read and talk to someone and be able to adjust the conversation in your way and manipulate that conversation into a sale. I've worked with those clients that you've manipulated into a sale. That's exhausting. Yeah. I never want to be able to, I want someone to choose me. I yep. want to provide, I want to educate and, and inspire my clients to choose to work with me 
rather than ever having to sell them. Yep. And that's the biggest thing that we do for our clients is we're all about education, inspiration, and draw them in, never sell them. Because if you yeah. sell someone, dude, you got to keep on selling them every single time that rebuild comes up. So, Brandon, um, I, I know I got you know five days before we re up again. Can you tell me again why we were going to work together for another third? And it's like, okay, let's go in it again. So we did this. this, this, this. It's right. like, dude, I don't want to do that. I want yeah. people to go. Wow, every single month they go like this. I know why I'm here because I chose to be here. Yeah, this has come up for me a lot over the past few days and just conversations I've had, but like, there's the, the phrase that nobody likes being sold, but everybody loves to buy. And like, are you, are you creating an environment where people love to buy? And, and that's exactly what you're doing is you're creating this environment where you're not, you don't ever have to sell someone because of the way that you're approaching the relationships. Yeah. I so. mean, I'm, and as I've worked, I mean, everyone I work with comes from a referral or heard me on a conversation or seat gone to one of my free webinars that I give through different freely. And because I, they were educated enough to make an educated decision. Yeah. I don't want someone that doesn't understand why they're doing it because then that just causes more problems because then you have to continue to, look, there's, there's always education piece of what's going on, but they need to be educated enough to be able to make the decision in the first place. Yeah. Um, like I wrote this, I was just pulling it up. I, I wrote this four days ago on LinkedIn. I was like, can you remember the best sales experience, experience you ever had as a buyer? Think back for a second. Did it involve an obvious sales pitch or lots of pressure? More than likely it didn't. Because I mean, I go, it's all about authenticity. I mean, it's, it's a whole long post, I, but it, it got a ton of, it's all about cultivating a more authentic social media, you know, presence. Awesome. I mean, and we'll make sure to link up to that article in the show notes so people can check it out. Um, I do, I, I know we're running on time here a little bit, but I did want to ask one other thing, as you had said when you work with clients, some people you will, you will ask for permission to send over a resource or you're not. So like, what are the main things that you're looking for with a client that determine the strategy that you will use in your engagement? Are there several kind of buckets? You're like, oh, this is the approach that we want to use for this kind of context. You just walk us through your thinking on how you would do that. No problem. Yeah, man. It all depends on what their, what their offer is, right? I mean, I work with a lot of high-end coaches. I work with a lot of different companies. I work with some, te some tech companies as well. It all depends on what they have available. Like, look, if you have a digital product, there's a different way to be able to go about it. If you only have a sales team to be able to go in and you have a course and not, you know, there's, it just depends. I mean, and this is the whole piece. This is why every, you can't, it's not a one size fits all shoe, right? Mm -hmm. People, you know, I love people that go, Hey, I've got my Facebook marketing course. It works for everyone. <laughs> yes. It doesn't work for everyone because everyone's different. Those one degree shifts are what make the difference between each and every one of us that makes us unique. And you have to be able to understand that same thing working with someone. So you have to be able to understand that if there are, if they have a coaching program, they have someone to be able to really have a great conversation. I want them to get on a conversation. If they have a, a PDF and they, they're only going through and it's, it's not like a webinar, I'm going to ask them first before I send them a document that is going to go in. But if you have a, something that, hey, I want to, like we used to go in, like, hey, I've got an exclusive webinar that's going to be coming up in the next week or two. I'd love to be able to invite, it, invite you to it. You know, and so that's, it's, it's a different way of asking permission, right? Yeah. And so this is just really understanding, you know, it's one, who your avatar is. Are you talking to CEOs? Are you talking to directors? Are you talking to entrepreneurs? Each and everything. I, I wish I could have a direct, you know, a say, Brandon, every single time it's going to be X, Y, and Z. And sure. then if it's not, it's Z, Y, X. But it really isn't. Um, and this is why I, I love what I do because we get to be able to tailor and craft these boutique messages and work with these clients specific because you're going to have some clients as well. I've got one client that says aloha every time. I want to be able to grab. We're taking on their personalities. So at the same time, I want to make sure that messaging syncs with their personalities and we, we grab their mannerisms as best as possible because yeah. we want to respect who they are. That's powerful. And the other thing too, I think that might be running through some people's minds, or at least it, it was for me at some points, but it's like, especially in the world of marketing where it's like direct response, like you want them to like, oh, they didn't watch the webinar. Like, what do I do now? But like, now that you've established a genuine relationship with them, one, the bridge 
if they do decide to watch your webinar is completely different than if they had clicked it before is because you had a genuine authentic relationship with them and now they're going to watch it versus like them being shown an ad right. completely different, even though it's the same selling mechanism or, or webinar at the end, the interaction. Let's say you have a sales team too, Brandon, right? So this is the, this is the second half of this. Is what we do with the, the, the bigger companies too, is like one as the influencer, you're inviting this webinar, they watch it. Now you go back in and you run the exact same process and, and that's the pickup line because they, now they see that it holds. Now you get your sales guy, John over here says, Hey, Brandon, man, I saw you watch the, uh, the webinar with, with Dan and brother, I just wanted to reach out. We just want to over here at, at street to coach say, thank you. You know, we appreciate you watching that, man. I'd love to be able to connect with you here on LinkedIn. So now you've already been appreciated the first time mm -hmm. you're rolling back in <laughs> another person on the team's going in and they're appreciating you. Then you get the endorsement. Now we're buttering again. They're seeing the same kind of thing, but it's a different, you know, you say, thank you. And you have a different qualifying question. Hey, you know, I know you watched that webinar. What's one of the biggest things that you pulled out of? That's amazing. I loved it. And they can actually pull someone on a phone call. Because look, as an influencer, you're not always going to get on a phone call with every person. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're talking about, you've got this massive touch point. And as the influencer, you're picking up people that are ready. And on the sales team, you get your team to, to pick up the people after they've watched the webinar. You're taking them through the same process that's, they're like, wow, man, I, I remember how good this felt the first time around. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's powerful when you're able to be able to do that. And it works really well because the entire time you're never offering anyone. You're ne there's never any hard closes, any hard pitches, anything like that. Yeah. And that's super powerful too. Cause I would assume that, that, you know, even if they decided to not watch the webinar or not attend the webinar, it's like you are creating content. And so eventually like they will view an article or a video that you posted and, and back then, in. then it'll yeah. boom right back in. And it's like value at every single level of it. And that's the whole piece, right? I mean, when you're posting, I know, like you said, we only have a couple more minutes here, but yeah. On LinkedIn, it's the 10, 20, 70 rule that I believe to be able to follow. And that's 10% personal. 20%, you know, because one, 10%, everyone connects with, with other human beings. So you have to allow yourself to shine through a little bit. You know, it doesn't, you don't need to know, you know, what you're doing with your kids, but you, that you at least have them. 20% of your content needs to be company, right? So you don't want to be that person in the room always talking about yourself. You're like, oh, dude, there's that Josh guy. He never shuts up about LinkedIn. He's exhausted. Sure. We don't want to be that. So 20% of your content needs to be company telling stories of how you've helped people, not how you can help people. And then 70% of your content needs to be adding value, right? Educating people. You and I, and a lot of people listening, we're constant learners. We're always looking and reading other people's content. Share that. Be the educator. Be the inspirer for other people. And when they get to a point where they're educated enough to make a decision, because you're the one, even though it might not be your information that educated them, you are the one that educated it because you presented it to them. They're going to go back to you for the solution. Incredible. Awesome. Well, that's super, super valuable. And yeah, so let's, let's kind of put a bow on things here. So, so if people were to kind of take away one main thing, I think I already kind of understand what it is, but if you, people will take away one main thing from this episode, what do you want to make sure that they would walk away with? Hey, be you hundred percent of the time off and online. And I mean, there is no B2B or B2C. There's only H to H human to human. And we right. need to remember that we can always do better. Awesome. Incredible. Thank you so much for that. So if people want to find out more about what you're up to, I would, you're not on LinkedIn, are you? <laughs> Maybe just a little bit. No. That's the best thing, right? Look for me, Joshua B as in boy Lee, Joshua B Lee. Um, and the biggest thing is I want everyone, I don't play a numbers game, right? I'm not looking to, if you send me a connection, it's blank. I'm not going to connect. So what I want you to be able to do is I want you to be like, wow, Josh, I heard you on Brandon's podcast. Either, you know, you like my hair, or Brandon's hair, right? I want you to tell me whose hair, who, who had the best hair on the, on the podcast, <laughs> didn't listen if you didn't watch us you just listened to it you know give me one thing that you learned from this and i mean tell me hey i heard you on brandon's podcast because i mean that's what's going to really drive me in because i share so much freely there i, I just want to make sure like if you want to get there man, i give all the information how to be able to get there and do it every single day on linkedin if you want to get there faster we can work together but i want to build that relationship with everyone first that's incredible. It was funny when I connected with you, I was scared because I know we had talked about how t we had made fun of people that do terrible outreaches. And I, I made a little joke in the beginning and I was scared to do it because I know it gets truncated, but I had copied. Oh, you got me too. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, please make sure you read the rest. Of, but like for people listening, I, when I connected to Joshua, I said, hello, Joshua B. Lee. And I put the full name and it was like, I was, I, I used the can message on LinkedIn. It was like, I was hoping to add you to my network. And then I was like, just kidding. I was like, oh, I really hope he read the whole thing. Not, <laughs> not sounds pretty it, but anyways. The good thing is I do take, I do take it. I do open it up all the way. Cause at sure. first I was like, dude, I just told <laughs> dude, 
you know, not to do this. And, he, and it, it happens. Sometimes people just hit the connect button real quick before they right. do where I'm trying to tell them. And so I, I give them the, the, the benefit of the doubt. But yeah, at first I was like, I, yeah i was i was scared but i'm glad that ended up happening but anyways thank you so much for being on the show i took pages and pages of notes so we'll make sure to put up the show notes any resources that we mentioned on here but thank you so much for sharing your story like i said i wanted to have you on the show because you really represent what i want to portray here that that it's you know, it's not about all about money. As Tony Robbins says, success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. So thank you for being a shining example of somebody that is in genuine alignment with what they're doing and creating incredible good and value in the world. So thank you so much. And it's been a pleasure having you. No worries, Brandon. Really appreciate it, my friend. Take care. Hey, it's Brandon here again, and I have a quick favor to ask before you head off, and that is if you are listening to my voice right now and you are currently using either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it would help me a ton if you could stop what you're doing, take five seconds to tap the number of stars that you think the show deserves. So if you're on Spotify, there's a place to add a star rating right underneath the name of the show, and if you're listening on Apple, just scroll down where you're seeing all the episodes and there's something that says tap to rate. Just tap the number of the stars that you think the show deserves. And you may not know this, but I typically spend over five hours of my own time each week just researching a guest on the show. And then there's the time that's spent recording the show, the intro, reaching out to new guests, and of course, all the editing, publishing, promoting that my amazing wife and high school sweetheart, Leah, helps me to manage. So all that to say, there's a lot that goes on just to get to the point where you listen to this episode. So if you appreciate the content and have 10, five to 10 seconds to spare, it would help a ton if you could leave a quick rating on the show. Extra credit if you choose to leave a review, but just tapping whatever stars you feel the show deserves helps a ton and it takes so little time. So whether you choose to do that or not, I so appreciate you and I'll talk with you soon.